Hi, this is Paul Butler. I'm the Senior Pastor of New Heart Baptist Church. Thanks for checking out our podcast. We hope that this podcast will be a great blessing to you and encourage your life. Love so we can love. We are loved so we can love. Did you say that with me? We are loved so we can love. Um, the, the scriptures talk about a God who always initiates first. Is that true? God always acts first, right? And he always has the end in mind. From Genesis to Revelation, God acts first. Before the, anything was created, God. In the beginning, God. There was no beginning, there was God. All right? Before the beginning, there was God. Um, in your life, before you even thought about God, God thought about you. And he was putting in, into plans in, in place to, to get your attention, to reveal himself to you. And um, I, I want you to know this, that the love of God for you begins way before you love him and it will be, go way beyond your ability to love him. Your ability to love God actually comes from God. The only, and your ability to love in any form that is from God comes from God. So I want us to consider this. We're going to look at um, 1 John, which is an awesome passage um, from Scripture. And we're going to look at, we're going to center our thoughts around chapter 4 of this amazing book. Um, the Gospel of John, people argue, did John really write it? I'm not going to get into that today. Um, uh, the gospel writer we know was the, the junior disciple of Jesus, the youngest. We believe that when he was called, he was around 16. At the time of Jesus' death, he would have been about 19, a 19-year-old. Um, and that's why he, he lived the longest, besides the fact that he, um, he was banished to the island of Patmos where he wrote the book of Revelation. Um, and he lived the longest out of all the disciples. But I, I want to say to you that he was known um, as the one uh, who was the lover of God. And love was a big topic, and we're going to talk about... So he was in this book, Love is Everywhere, and we're going to look at that. But before we do that, I just want to, to remind you that as disciples, uh, it's, it says in... Um, in 1 John uh, chapter 2, but if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. If anyone obeys his word, who's his? God, Jesus' word, um, love for God is truly made complete. So when you obey God's word, it's truly, if you obey me, if you obey my word, you love me. This is the ultimate expression of worship is love. And the, the way in which we reveal our love for God is in obedience. And this is how we know we are in him. So John's writing this story um, to people and there's a lot of false teaching and, and false prophets. And there's a lot of arguing over, is Jesus really, was he really human? Or was he just this apparition? And there's all this arguing over, was he really Messiah? And, and then so the question is, what is 
a true believer? What does a Christian look like? And, and John's trying to nail some of the basic fundamentals. What is the evidence? What is the proof that you are actually a child of God, that you are a Christian, that you are a follower of Jesus? And he writes this, this is how we know we are in him. Jesus talked about in John 15 about us being abiding or living in him. If you abide in me and I abide in you, you can ask what you want and it shall be done. He talked about I am the vine and you are the branches and he talked about us being connected and in him. And he goes, uh, this is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. So one of the proofs um, of us being followers of Jesus is that we, we kind of look like Jesus. We live like Jesus. We sound like Jesus. We act like Jesus. It's one of the proofs. Because the Holy Spirit that dwells in Jesus comes to live in every child of God. That's what the expression born again means. God comes to live in you and you start this brand new existence where God directs you by his spirit in the same way that he directed Jesus Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. And this, is, this little diagram here is the three commands. And the first command um, is, this is the things that Jesus lived out. Jesus lived out and modelled obedience to the great commands and his Father's mission. The first command is, love the Lord your God, Mark chapter 1230. And Mark chapter 1231 says, and the second is like it, love your neighbour as yourself. But Jesus in John chapter 13 actually talks about the fact that I give you a new commandment, um, love one another as I have loved you. So he expands it beyond, he actually defines and, and includes this church, these people, fellow brothers and sisters in Jesus, love one another as I have loved you. How did Jesus love us? We're going to learn that. We're going to read it. But you know how he loved us. How much did he love us? Enough to lay down his life for us. Um, and Jesus said, you know, what does that look like? Well, it's kind of the ultimate sacrifice, right? It's the full, full deal. But the way of expressing Jesus actually loved up, he loved God, he demonstrated this. He loved his father by obeying his father's commands. Then he loved God by actually loving everybody, those who loved him and those who didn't. Anybody here ever have a problem with loving those who don't love you? Jesus demonstrated what it was to love those who loved him and those who didn't, those who belonged to him and those who were outside from him. And he said, I'm going to love those because God asked me to love them and I want to obey his command, not to love him but to love them. And then he was about his mission. He was going out to make disciples. In Mark chapter 1, we, we learn that Jesus was going about preaching the good news of the kingdom of God and calling people to come. Come near. Come and turn away from sin and turn and follow Jesus. And so Jesus lived this out. He lived the three commands. Love the Lord your God. Love your neighbor as yourself. And to go out and make disciples. You know, when he said that in Matthew 28, he said, go and make disciples. He'd already done it. He was the great disciple maker. And he's basically saying, go and do what you see me do. Go and say the things I said. Go and 
act like I did. Go and copy my ways and my works and my words. The three great, the three great commands. And this is what I would call Jesus' great disciple-making culture that he invites us into. And so Jesus sent us to play our part. And you've got a play sign symbol there. And it's, uh, I love the fact that every person in this room who's a follower of Jesus gets to play their part in God's great mission to the earth. No one is excluded. I love the fact that in Acts, um, they looked at these disciples and said, oh, these ordinary, unschooled people were followers of Jesus and we know that they were with him. And because they had been with him, they were acting like him. And guess who said that about them? People who didn't like them and they killed Jesus. Interesting. So Jesus sent his disciples to play their part, and I'm a disciple of Jesus in making disciples and teaching them to obey everything Jesus commanded. And here's the thing. I don't know about you, but I, I talk to Christians regularly who are not attending church. And they talk to me about the fact, and has anybody got friends who have departed from regularly connecting devoted lives, sharing the word, praying for one another, intentionally doing life and faith together. You know, people like that. And they say, I still, I still love Jesus. I just don't like church. And I go, yeah, I get the institutional side of church and I get how the way church happens is that people are opting out from that. But then I said to this person that said exactly that to me the other day, I said, but are you intentionally gathering with a group of believers, not in you know, whatever church form you want to call it, but are you intentionally sharing your life and faith and the mission of God that is given you with a group of people and are you loving them, are you serving them and are they loving and serving you, are you working together and they, talk, and they said, they went, when you put it like that, when I'm reading the scriptures about how much God loves us, you know what? It's really hard to find scriptures that talk about how much God loves me without a verse that's connected to, that says... Because God loved you so much, you should therefore... Do you know how hard it is? Like when I did the, the, the study series and the Discover series and I got to the chapter on God loves us, it was really hard to find passages of Scripture that didn't flick into love because we are loved. What does that tell you? God doesn't disconnect that you could love God and not others in fact john goes a step further as we're going to read and he says one of the evidences that you are a child of god that you are born again that you have the holy spirit living in you is that you will love those that god loves can i just say that god loves those outside the church and god loves those inside the church so is there anybody we're not called to love Just when you thought, I, I just, I'll just love the people in the church. God goes, yeah, what about your enemies? I did say something about that too. All right. So we're going to dive into 1 John chapter 4. And, um, and 
it's really hard to dive into one chapter of uh, one John 4 because John is talking about lots of things. And in chapter 3, verse 1, before we get to that, uh, he, he begins this and he says, um, in chapter 2, actually, verse 29, If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. Can I just say to you, the true right things in life can only really be done as God is with you. Things that are truly from God, that God designs and God wants, can only be done with God. There's a lot of good things that people can do, but you can do them without God. Does anybody know that? There are a lot of people who do not know anything about Jesus that do a lot of good things. And they can do a lot of right things. But the kinds of things that come from God are righteous. They are from Him. There are, there's a goodness and an eternal perspective that, that it's like an inheritance that doesn't, doesn't ever fade or rust or can be destroyed. So uh, John says in 29, Whatever is right has been born of Him. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we could be called children of God. Can I just stop and say... My, my number one thing is, how will I know that God loves me? He says, son, daughter. That's it. Son, daughter. God loves us that he calls us his children. That sounds important to me in um, further on in chapter 3 John goes on and says this is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are because he's trying to help them figure out how do we know who's because there's a lot of people coming into the church that are sounding like they're Christians but they're not and he goes well anyone who does not do what is right in God's is not sorry anyone who does not do what is right is not god's child nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister so people who are doing things that are not right that are not in god and those who are not loving their brother and their sister there's two signs that they're not born of god then again in um, verse uh, 11 for this is the message you've heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Verse 14. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. When you don't have the love of God in you, it's really hard because you're actually living in yourself. And the self is what causes, is the heart of sin. Living for yourself is the heart of sin. And we know that the Bible calls, if you are living for yourself, you are self-ruling and self-ruling is the heart of sin and it keeps us separated from God and the Bible describes that as being in a place of death. How many here were once dead in their sin because they were ruling their own life? How good did you go with that? As you look around you, you see people ruling their own life and some people look all right and other people look tragic, right? But, it's, but without God, there is death. And with God, there is life. And with life comes the word L-O-V-E, the love of God. And he comes in. And this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us 
And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Look around you people. As I think about the church today, I think what church has become for some, not everybody, but for some, is an attendance of a thing. But we don't belong and we therefore don't feel like we have to love. We actually don't have to do that laying down of our life for one another. Because if I don't know you well enough, I can't lay down my life for you, right? If I stay superficial and up here one inch thing and two miles wide, I don't have to really get involved. And if you don't have to get involved, you don't really have to love. And God's gone, what did I do to get involved? I got, I got skin in the game and put myself on the line and I gave you my life. Now, I'll give you that kind of love so you can love. So he doesn't say, I want you to do the impossible and to love those who are unlovable and just work hard at it. He says, no, I want you to do that and I'll give you the love that you need to do it. Because this by yourself without me is impossible. Who needs a miracle of love right here today? <laughs> I do. Come on. A little bit more convincing. Do you need God to help you love people better? Yes. All right. Well, let's read um, 1 John 4 from verse 7, because in chapter 4, uh, verse 1 to 6, John is actually talking about those who are denying that Jesus actually came in the flesh and that he was human. And then in verse 7, he's talking about proves. He's proving. He's saying, this is how you know. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is... Is that true? Is that kind of love different from any other kinds of love, like I love chocolate? Is it different than that kind of love? Uh, we use, the, the Greeks had five different words, and you've heard this before if you've been in a church a little while. Uh, eros and filio, a friendship kind of love, a sexual, sensual kind of love. There's all these kinds of love. But the, the, the love here, the word agape, in classical Greek, when Paul grabbed that word, or the New Testament writers grabbed that word to talk about the love Jesus talked about, and, and, the, and they were taking that from the Hebrew scriptures and they grabbed the Greek word agape. Uh, I'm not going to say any more about it. agape. It was this distinguishing love that was meant to be different from human originating love. It was a love that was distinctively from God. It was. And so that's why John is able to write um, this. He's, he's able to say, for God is Love. Agape, this kind of love is the heart and the character and the nature of God. And here's what's beautiful, people. When God comes to live in you, what comes to live in you? You didn't have it before. So when you read 1 Corinthians 13 and it talks about Love is this and love is that and love is this and love is that. It's not talking about what you need to rise up to in your humanness and be more patient and kind and this and this. 
You can only do all that kind of love with the love of God that comes from God in you. And if you try to love like that without the love of God within you, you'll just ruin yourself and you'll wreck it. Because it's just limited and it will fade and it will break and you'll make a big mess of yourself trying to be something that only God can make you be. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. That we might live... I'm going to say it again, that we might live... Live and what could we replace the word live? Love through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved. We also ought to love one another. So John is going, God initiates. Not that we loved him, but that he loved us first. He initiates. And as a result of him initiating, then he says, we live and love through him. your, Your ability to love comes from him. And he says, and now, as a result of that, we should love one another. It's the outworking of our relationship with God. Do you ever get tired of loving people? (laughs) I have one honest person in the room. I get tired of... Humanly speaking, some people really just drain your love out of you, right? All right, we're going to talk about that. Dear friends, since no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Get this, no one has ever seen God. Has anybody ever seen God? Some people might have had visions or dreams where they've encountered Jesus. Has anybody had one of those? Oh, talk to those people. Was it really awesome? You never saw his face. But I tell you what, if you get to have a dream or a vision of Jesus, it's going to change your life. It'll change your perspective. But John is talking about in the Old Testament, uh, using reflecting to that no one has ever seen God and lived. There is this magnificence and awesomeness of God that prevents humans in our limitedness from actually encountering him in his fullness and not dying. But dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us. What's he saying? No one's ever seen God, but if we love one another, he lives in us. Is there something he's saying? Think about it. What's he saying? No one has ever seen God, but no one's ever seen God, but if we love one another, we could rewrite the last part of the verse to say what? Sorry? Evidence of God, other people will see Yeah. How about that? 
that's why I think Jesus said, um, uh, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. Do you believe, is anybody, was anybody deeply touched in their encountering of God through the love of God through God's people in the church? Through someone loving you in a way that revealed God's love to you, that your heart was shifted and changed towards God. Has anybody got that testimony? Stu, you were loved like that in such a way that it moved your heart closer to God. So you knew because someone loved so much. Good. Anybody else? Pete? Great. Verse 13. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit. And we've seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. And if, we, if anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. It's an interesting verse. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in them. If someone says Jesus is the Son of God, does that mean that they are born again? If they just say it. But that's, doesn't that what it says? If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they are in God. So Penelope just said anybody could acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God and not be born again. You see, just saying it, it's just words. Someone can repeat, Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus died on the cross. Do you agree with that? Yes, he died on the cross. Do you believe he died for your sins? Yes, I believe that. It, it, it could be true that you believe that, but what have you done with that? See, the, the, the scriptures tell us in Acts, when, when Peter tells the gospel to the people, said, repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ for forgiveness of sins. We, we have to take who Jesus is and, and let that acknowledgement then affect us in responding to his, what God initiated comes back to me. And now I go, I fall down on my knees and I acknowledge that, before you I am lost, I am dark, and I am dead, and I need forgiveness. So it's not enough just to say that Jesus is the Son of God. So what John is actually doing is he's going, I'm going to give you some evidences that will show you that this acknowledgement is real. And he says there, God lives in them and they in God, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us. And then God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. God uh, is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. Woe. Woe. Who likes being called a liar? You're not being genuine. You're not being authentic. You're not telling the truth. 
whoever claims to love God, is it true? Have you ever been in an older church a long time ago where you're in a business meeting and you saw brothers and sisters behaving badly? And you went, where is the love of God? Yet you knew these people knew the good news about Jesus and could say all the right things. But when it came to things that they disagreed on, they were spiteful, they were accusing, and they would tear people to shreds with words. And you go, you know a lot about God, but I'm not seeing any love here. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar for whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they've not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. And then we get to the really interesting part where... Um, oh, sorry. Um, sorry. I've gone too far. going to go back so we love sorry finishes and he has given us this, this command anyone who loves god must also love their brother and sister okay so john actually goes over this about four times in his letter over and over and over he says if you love god then the way that you know that you love god is that you obey his commandments you'll live right by the spirit and you'll love one another these are evidences the question for us today is, how many people want to walk in the love that Jesus loved for the disciples that he, he discipled? Who wants to love like God here? How do you love like God? Because Jesus is saying, I'm commanding you to love one another as I have loved you. And he's saying, this is the evidence. How do you love like God? This is, this is all I know. I'm going to give it to you as simple as I know. When I encounter God, I encounter Him and everything that He is. As I encounter His love for me, He fills me with His love. As I allow His love to have its work in me, he does this work in me that comes like a flood. It comes and fills me so I am fully satisfied to overflowing. I'm more than satisfied. And now I am, whatever comes out of me is what? It's called an overflow. The kind of love that we need to love one another in the way, the way you, you get to the point where you would lay down your life for a brother or a sister when you see them in need, when you see... when. Uh, in John it talks about and I've missed that, that passage it talks about if you see a brother in need if you say you love God and you see a brother in need and don't help them practically then the love of God is not really in you you've ignored this thing that I've said to you love one another you can't say I love God but ignore your brother I remember a long time ago I said you can't love the, the head but uh, head, you can't just love the head and ignore the body 
God does not give us that alternative. He says, no, no, I need you to take the love that I've given you and I'm filling you with. Now I need you to express it to others. And the only way I know how to do that is to get close enough to people, to allow God to get close to God and to go, God, I, need, I want to obey your commands. I want to be like Jesus. I want to live like Jesus. And the only way I'm going to do that is be close to you. And as I'm close to you, fill me with your love. So that I might love like you loved. And then I will be led by you. And when I fall short of what I love I need, I'm going to ask you to fill me with more. Because I know that you'll have more for me when I need it. You'll never be short of the love of God because he has always got it for you to give away. That's his abundance. Now, I want you to think about this. Is there somebody in your life that you need to love with the love of God? Why don't you just bow your heads right now? Who's a challenge? You might have lots. Just start with one. Think about that person. And now, this is, where I, this is what I do. I confess to God, Lord, this person is a challenge and I do not have enough love in me to love them the way you want me to. God, would you come into that place in my heart where there's shortage and would you fill my heart with your love? I want to come under that love right now because, Lord, I want to give that person what they do not deserve and never earn. I want to love them well. I want to love them with a love that comes from above. Lord Jesus, you are unlimited in this love. How great the love the Father has lavished on us. Lord, I pray, would you give me the love that I need to give away lavishly to those who challenge me. Upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things on earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Where is love? It's in his glory and it's in his grace. When you look at that person, they'll look to Jesus and go, Jesus, I'm coming to you for the love that is beyond understanding and beyond reason. 
and I want to love like you love because that was the kind of love that you poured out on the world that was just beyond knowledge and understanding. And I pray, God, as I look into your eyes, as I go to your heart, that you would fill my heart with your heart. Will you give me your heavenly resources and the gift? Lord, if you need the gift of forgiveness for that person right now, just ask for it. It's already been done on the cross. That gift was poured out on the cross. Jesus, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. You don't have enough forgiveness. Jesus has got that forgiveness. He gave it to you as a gift. Undeserved, unearned. Take that now. Take the gift that was given to you and give it to that person. It's not yours. It's the gift of forgiveness from God. He gave it to you. Now just pass it on. Maybe unforgiveness is stopping some of you from loving well. Jenny shared before. Sometimes the block is that you just hate them. You're just frustrated and angry at them. But that will stop love. Go and find grace and mercy from Jesus at the foot of the cross because he poured it out on you. Whatever you need for this job of loving as he loved, it's found in God, it's not found in you. Lord God, we just commit ourselves to this purpose, that we would be like Jesus, who obeyed the Father's will perfectly and was filled with the Spirit and obeyed what the Spirit was saying. We just come and ask, Lord, that you would fill us again with your Spirit of love and patience and kindness and peace and gentleness and self-control. Fill us Fill us, Lord, with the power of your resurrection. Fill us with your forgiveness and, and your grace. Fill us with your mercy, Lord. Lead us to those around us who need the love that you've got in us and help us to love well. Help us to bring glory to your name, Lord Jesus, so that people might see you through the love that's in us your love in us. Amen.